past performance is no guarantee of future results. Have you heard this disclaimer? It's usually on, on mutual funds and financial investments where the marketing manages to say the disclaimer in a way that sounds like, well, while past returns are no guarantee of future results, there's obviously some correlation which makes similar future results more likely, just not guaranteed. But as in almost everything, past performance has little to actually do with future returns. What there is is a tendency in life to interpret the past from the vantage point of the present and to use that hindsight to predict the future. Maybe that's the wrong way around. What if you could tell your past self, the you of five years ago or 10, what you know right now? What if future results could indicate present performance? What if you stopped making the past mean anything at all about the future? What kind of present would that be? VegHeads, you're listening to Veg Your Best, the plant-based podcast. My name is Michelle Olander. I'm a certified life coach, a practicing vegan, and I'm here to try and convince you to show up, eat more plants, and not wait a single second longer to set an impossible goal, whatever that is for you. Episode 10, where we ask, what kind of present are you giving your future? So today, we're going to talk about you. You in the future, me in the future, your future self in 15 minutes, next year, in five years or in 10. We're going to spend some time on that concept of you in the near future, as well as the more distant future, and how it allows you to develop a relationship right now with that future self. Some people, and I would fall into this category, some people are often thinking about the practicalities of the future, saving money or planning maintenance on the house or what kind of family events are coming up. And some people are a little, well, maybe a little less practical and a bit more frivolous or fun than I am. And they think about the fun things they'll do, the things they'll wear, dreams they want to see come true. Either way, most of us have a future self that we concern ourselves with in some way. Maybe you think about seeing your kids graduate college or get married. Maybe you're thinking about having kids. Maybe you would like to get married or plan a trip around the world. That'll happen again, right? Travel? Fingers crossed. Maybe your future self finally gets in better shape good enough to go on a trek in Nepal like my friend Tina did a little while back. Or maybe like me, you imagine walking the Camino in Spain to Santiago de Compostela. You know, people who know me well know I studied art history and my area of specialty was medieval European history and art. I know, geek. But for years, my patient kids and husband have followed me through European towns and cities and archeological sites 
partially, well, primarily, because my younger self, my past self, had a dream to see those places. Places I had studied and seen only in books or in documentaries or in art history slide lectures. Yes, I said slides. Google it. It was a thing. Like the city of York in England, Old York. We went there last October, a year ago, and it's a wonderful historic place, which was an ancient Roman city and later a Viking capital. And it exists very much in layers of history, which make it something really impressive today. A city with a vibrant living past, present, and future. I had wanted to go to York for decades because if you're a medievalist, you know, it's absolute Disneyland. Disneyland for medieval historians. There are Brigantian tribes, Romans, Vikings, Anglo-Saxons, a truly astonishing 11th century minster or cathedral right in the center of the city. It's surrounded by 12th century walls, which were built on top of Roman first century walls. And they're walls you can walk on top of and circumnavigate the old part of the city. And there's also a very fun railroad museum there too, if you have less enthusiasm for the world before 1400. But anyway, York, old York in England is the kind of city I am very drawn to, very drawn to. A city where history is always with you everywhere you turn. Because when the city of York is now planning future buildings and infrastructure now in the 2020s, it's on top of an ancient city. And they're using, of course, contemporary tools and materials and ideas on top of previous foundations that had different tools and different concerns, different economics and beliefs. And it makes for a tremendously alive environment. In cities like Old York, the contemporary builders now have to attempt to make space now for future inhabitants to live and work in some sort of accommodation with the past. And I like to think of this effort or these ongoing efforts as a kind of, a kind of conversation across time. In the process of these conversations, these intersections of 21st century builders creating structures for future citizens atop ancient foundations. There, I mean, there are so many surprises, delightful as well as dreadful, because history is full of both. Human beings are full of both. And we forget that at our peril. Sometimes builders find secret caches of jewels or coins other times plague pits and the sites of executions or imprisonment or torture. But back to you. However old or young you are, in this very moment, you have a past, a present, and a future self. And it's exactly the thing that makes you fascinating and unique. In this moment today, I think it's so interesting to imagine that you are having this kind of conversation where you, present you, is mediating a relationship, a conversation between your past self and your future self. And past self may have really done some phenomenal work. For example, 
Maybe it learned to read, or it struggled with calculus. Maybe it got you through a college degree, or lost weight, or raised children, or picked an interesting career. Your past self may also have had some rough patches. Maybe past self didn't always make choices that turned out as expected. Or maybe past self spent a few years not thinking much or at all about future self and didn't invest too much time or energy or money in present you or future you. Or maybe past self thought things were just going to happen in a way that never happened. Past self was wrong about a couple things. And for most of us, it will be a mix, a fascinating mix. Past self did some things that really set us up in the best way. And it also did some things that present self now has to deal with. For many of my clients, that includes some weight gain and some burgeoning medical concerns. And your present self may be looking at herself and maybe also loved ones who are a bit older and think, That's what my future self is going to look like if present self doesn't make some changes. Premature illness, premature aging, lack of energy, lack of strength, an inability to take part in a full and active life that present self wants. If you, like I, believe that a whole food, plant-based diet is essentially the healthiest diet and that there's really no downside, no negative side effects to eating fruits, veggies, legumes, beans, seeds, but you're not eating that way, that's a conversation for you to have with your past self and your future self. Would your future self like to be active, fit, and strong? Would your future self like to dance at a grandchild's wedding or graduation party? Would your future self like to hike the Camino like I would or celebrate a 50th wedding anniversary? or keep working, or keep gardening, or traveling, or still learn to do a handstand. My goals keep showing up in this future self's list. I hope you're doing this for yourself. What are a couple of things your future self would really enjoy, do you think? Take a couple seconds. Your future self. Five years? Ten? I'm 61, and I like to think that I have about 40 years of future self to be mindful of. So your future self, what would your future self thank you for right now? Say future you drops a quick email. Is there email in the future? Anyway, subject line, thanks past self. What would it say? Nice job paying the insurance premiums. Health insurance really helped when I broke my leg paragliding. And the car choice. Good, good choice. It lasted for years and years, very few repairs. And nice work appreciating the husband. He's still here. I'm glad we're together. Would your future you maybe say, good job cutting down on dairy? Would future self say, thanks for keeping me in mind? I know it wasn't always easy. In fact, what tough thing did you do today or this week for your future self? Maybe it was go to work, or maybe you said no to a certain food or beverage you were offered. Maybe you remembered you wanted to drink more water, or to put the phone down and go outside for a quick walk 
even though your brain said there wasn't time for a proper workout? What could you do today that your future self would thank you for? Or maybe you're thinking it's different for you. Maybe you're always thinking about your future self and you're really good at making big plans, but you never follow through. Do you assume that the trouble your past self had following through on plans and goals means you have no willpower or discipline? You're not alone because I hear people all the time say that they don't want to think too much about their future selves because the plans they make just never work out. But those plans, that trouble following through, that was your past self. And past performance is no guarantee of future results. A lot of us make having trouble sticking with a new plan mean that there's something wrong with us, that we're weak or unreliable. And the good news is you're wrong about that. Some of us in the past had big dreams and made big plans, but we had trouble executing the plans, trouble following through. And when you do that a few times, you can sometimes start to lose the belief that you can rely on yourself. Not because you're a terrible person, but just because your brain is driving you to make more and more unrealistic plans that you're just not ready to keep. And then, of course, since you don't keep them, they just become more and more abstract, you know. The more you make an unrealistic plan and don't keep it, the more, quote, making plans becomes a totally theoretical activity. Most of the time, if you're honest, you actually know you're not going to keep the plan, but you just make it and it gives you a break from your self-critical talk about not doing enough. And that's the real issue. When you put your self-esteem on your eating plan or exercise plan or your work calendar or anything else, you're making it kind of impossible to succeed. It's too much pressure. Because when your self-esteem hangs on it, you think, well, it should be at least close to perfect. Otherwise, I can't really feel okay about it. And then because humans, well, aren't perfect, you can't, we can't, no one can keep to the perfect plan. And then you probably say mean things to yourself and feel terrible. That's what we all do. So then you need a new plan to try and feel a little better about yourself. So you go, another perfect plan. Tomorrow we're going to start it. It'll be perfect. Or worse, you know that you need to make a simpler, more realistic plan, but it seems, well, it just doesn't seem enough to make any difference, so why even bother following it? Does that sound familiar? So this kind of cycle can continue on and on. And every time you make a plan and don't follow it, you get farther away from your own relationship with your present self. And you start feeling guilty about how you're taking care of your future self. So then once again, you rein it all in and you go, no, 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 I'm going to decide to make a brand new plan. This time there'll be nutritional supplements, a $300 Vitamix and smoothies. But a few weeks or days later, the routine breaks down and you doubt your own ability to make and keep commitments to yourself. It's just more evidence that you're a weak person lacking in discipline. Except you're not. Your problem is only that you're making this plan 
evidence of your character and your worthiness. So the first thing to do is separate your self-worth from the plan, from any plan. Your self-worth doesn't depend on how much you work out or what you eat or how completely plant-based you are or aren't or anything else you do or don't do. So cut yourself some slack. And while you're at it, cut the rest of the world some slack. Because if you're anything like me, when you're feeling really disappointed in yourself, your brain starts to deflect and notice a lot of people who are doing a very crappy job. In fact, when I start getting obsessed with what other people are doing badly, I know almost automatically I'm trying to avoid some lousy feeling, some self-loathing, some self-disappointment in my own head. People are always doing things. Have you noticed? And sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes I don't like it at all. And I know so many of us just want a new plan, a new regime, a new book that's going to work. But the plan is external. What's in your control? What are your controllables? When you're losing your confidence that you can take care of your future self, stay small, stay specific. That's the minimum baseline. It's a very simple concept, but when you practice it, it really starts to change everything. The minimum baseline is basically the cure for all those perfectionistic tendencies and the judgment you have about your past self. Perfectionism tells you that you need to do everything all at once and perfectly. But the minimum baseline tells you that you need to choose one thing that's in your control at a time and just do it consistently. Perfectionism sounds like I should stop eating all animal products today, go to the farmer's market every week, Whole Foods once a week, take an online vegan cooking class, and never use another piece of plastic. Minimum baseline is I'm going to buy and eat more local seasonal veggies and fruits every week until that just becomes normal and my brain stops making it all a big deal. Then maybe you add in something like an unfamiliar vegetable once a month or once a season, a different variety of apple or lettuce or squash, Unfamiliar vegetable is one of those things I like to post on Instagram now and then because as much as I love veggies, I run across some I still don't know what to do with now and then. And I still don't know what to do with kohlrabi. Do you? Kohlrabi? This fall, I roasted some unfamiliar squashes and posted those on Instagram. Yeah, you can find me on the gram. Veg underscore your underscore best. But whatever area it's in, your minimum baseline should be the smallest commitment you can make that you know you can follow through on. And this will involve overruling your brain. It should feel very doable when you set it. You shouldn't have that gut-turning sense that you'll never actually do it. For example, your minimum baseline might be eating a fruit or vegetable with every meal. Your perfectionist brain won't like that at all because it seems pointless, but it's not. If you really do eat some extra veggies, fruits, legumes, seeds, or beans three times a week or consistently, 
You're doing way more for your body than buying a whole lot of food and vegan cookbooks and cooking tools and then not eating it. Food going bad, wasting money, just more evidence to your brain that you never follow through. Thinking about a minimum baseline or a baby step or a micro step, you're also doing way more for your present self and your future self. You're honoring your commitments to yourself here, today, and you're helping your future self to acquire the strong habit of including lots of veggies in your diet. And some of us actually need some time to accustom our gut flora and digestion to a lot of new fiber and a lot of new vegetables. If you have never consistently eaten beans, you want to take it a little slow and include only a tablespoon or two of beans frequently in your diet. Did you know that something like 95% of Americans have a diet which is deficient in fiber? And that people who eat a whole food, plant-based diet actually have a different gut microbiome than people who eat a standard American diet. I am, of course, not a scientist, and you should obviously do your own research and ask your own doctors. But Dr. Will Bolshevich, or Bolsowitz, depending how you pronounce it, a plant-based gastroenterologist, has written a fascinating book called The Plant-Fed Gut. And I'll put a link to the book in the notes. But anyway, at first, you won't like a minimum baseline because it won't give you this big dopamine rush of imagining your pretend perfect self who keeps the perfect vegan diet. The minimum baseline is going to seem like it won't make any difference and that it's not really vegan yet. But that's the exact opposite. The minimum baseline is how you build an actual lasting habit and develop that integrity with yourself. It's how you develop the kind of relationship with your present self where if you say you'll do something, you know you'll do it. You do not get there with ambitious, perfect plans. You get there little by little. The point of the minimum baseline is to build consistent habits and trust with yourself. And you'll get results over time in whatever you're working on too. Because whether it's writing a novel or increasing your cardiovascular fitness, you can't focus on the results because then your brain will say, but it would be so much better if we did this perfect aggressive plan instead. If this is an area your past self has had trouble sticking with, don't focus on the goal. Focus on the relationship you're building with your present self and your future self, because that's something in your control. The last thing I want to say about the minimum baseline is that I recommend you use it on only one area of your life at once, because perfectionist brain tends to want to be doing all the plans, quitting all the bad habits, starting all the new good habits at the same time. But that's overwhelming and it only makes things harder. Pick one thing to work on. Writing your novel, creating a movement routine, eating more vegetables, whatever it is, pick one thing to work on. So one minimum baseline at a time and make it achievable, make it far less than perfect, and just commit to showing up for yourself in one area at a time. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Because if there's something you do well, enjoy, or feel good about now, 
it is because your past self did make some efforts and keep at it, right? Sometimes we discount those things and we remember our fails instead. What comes up for you? Learning to parallel park, bake, play guitar, swim, garden, read, a certification that allowed you to do a more advanced job or charge more per hour, an article or book you published, a family you raised, a parent you cared for, a relationship you repaired or renewed. If there is something that present you is proud of, it most likely was something you committed to doing bit by bit for a long time, even when it was hard. You had to invest time and energy, maybe physical effort. Maybe it meant holding your tongue or practicing patience. Take some time this week to really think about all the efforts your past self took to set you up with the things you value in your life right now. Often we take these things for granted and we don't even remember how hard won the things in our life were. And if there's something about past you that present you is not proud of, well, it's just proof that you're a human being. People who seem very successful in a lot of areas, remember this, the most successful people, they just tend to be people who fail more and keep going. That's all. So many of us, myself many times included, think, oh, if I were any good at this, I would have done it by now. But we can't do what we stop trying to do. Tomorrow's another day. So is yesterday. Let that sink in. You know, my goal is to encourage as many people as possible to move towards a primarily plant-based diet. And if that sounds just too out of reach right now, I get it. But maybe just do one thing that your future self will thank you for. You know, when I was in grade school, I had some very excellent language teachers, and they had this technique at the beginning of the school year. The teacher would have us open up the end of our textbook and look at the chapter we would be finishing up in June at the end of the school year. And it would, of course, be gobbledygook to us. I remember my Russian teacher doing this every year, and I think my Spanish teacher. So the teacher would read out the last lesson of the school year, and then she would say, and you will all know all of this material in June. Isn't that amazing? I don't know why every teacher doesn't do that. Even though the future can sometimes seem far away or hard to predict, the future's starting right now. And future you is right here. Past you did the best she could with what she knew. My teacher often suggests we write little notes bridging between our time zones. For example, a letter from our present self to our past self, say aged 17. What would we tell her if we could? What would she have really wanted or needed to hear? And what would our future self, what could our future self write to us now that would help us out? Maybe that she really appreciates the price we're willing to pay right now to be uncomfortable or try new things or make an extra effort for the sake of our future self? 
and not just the future self, right? Because future self has friends and loved ones and a community that she's really valuable to. What kind of present do you have to offer your future self? What minimum baseline? What simple choices could you commit to right now that your future self will thank you for? When I do planks or push-ups, I guarantee you I am not impressing myself in the present because my planks and push-ups are nothing much today, but they are something my past self hoped I would be able to do. And with a little luck, my future self will have amazing upper body strength. You're welcome, future self. If visualizing your future self is uncomfortable for you, or if you find the idea overwhelming or dispiriting, you're not alone. There's nothing weird about that. And this would be a great thing to talk with a coach about. I keep four introductory sessions a week open to work with people who are interested in learning how to help move their present selves towards a future plant-based or vegan diet. The link is in the show notes. Email me. Let's talk about it. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.